All right, we just learned where you would, you would be in the dark without God's love. That's where you would be, right? You would be in the dark. Uh, hello, everybody. Glad you're here. I want to first speak to those that are, that are watching online, True Worth and in the sanctuary, uh, to those that are in the house here who are new. Uh, you're looking for a church home. You're wondering how, what is going on here. Uh, we're just a bunch of real people. Uh, they believe that God speaks in many different ways. And, uh, and just really, there's all sorts of different ways that God speaks, and even through pop music. I mean, where would you be without love, right? I mean, where would we be? Uh, we'd be in trouble. We'd be lonely, right? I mean, God's love is everything. And before we kind of dive in here, I want to speak to some, some folks that are watching online. I know I have some friends uh, that are watching. Uh, and in our circle, I really can't speak a whole lot about it right now, uh, but some friends who have lost a young man. Uh, he used to worship for this church and a, friend, a close friend of our family. Uh, and I would be remiss without acknowledging that to my friends and family. And uh, just begin with a word of prayer because I know there are many who are watching online at this time. And uh, God, we stop here to be mindful that even the darkest valleys of our life, uh, that your love is with us and for us. And uh, in the greatest pain, in the greatest victory in all seasons, it all comes down to your love. And so today we thank you for it. And God, right now I pray for uh, my friends and for my family, those that are near and those that are far, those that, are, that can hear my voice and those that are just in places where they cannot even hear uh, because the pain, the darkness, or the cataclysmic experiences of life are just so magnified today that uh, they're just in shock, uh, they're stunned. And so wherever your people are, God, here in the room, in the house, in the sanctuary, in the ark, in the true worth, wherever, God, that, that we would all have an experience today of the great love you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to share something with everyone. We've got some new folks here, and for some of you this is redundant, repetitive. Uh, but I think it's important that every week you kind of know where we're headed and what God is doing here. So if you are new, you're going to learn something about us. We're in a historic season in the life of our church. And this is where we believe that God is leading and taking us. We have this slide on the screen we call Now One More. Uh, we believe that God is leading us over the course of the next 10 to 15 years of this church to facilitate a million and one aha moments with emphasis on the one. Uh, of people experiencing the love and grace of Christ through this church body in some way, that they go, ah, oh, they just stop for a second, and they go, ah. So that's what God is like. Man, that's what the church is like. That's what it is. Oh, I didn't expect that. So much so, if they would just take at least a step forward, closer toward discovering a relationship with God, with the one who loves them like no other. And we believe the first way to do that, we believe a critical way is to reclaim this building right here that we're worshiping in here. Those that are in the ark, reclaim the ark. Uh, we built this thing back in 2003 for the students, uh, not just of our church, but of the community. And uh, it's amazing the number of you, I know who came here, because you had babies, right? You left and all of a sudden your kids grow up and you think, oh, I got to find a church for my kids, right? Or I got to find a place for my, my teenagers to go. And you had just kind of left and were not interested. And all of a sudden your kids start going. And then you came. And through your children, uh, you went, ah, oh, man, really? This is what God is like. This is what church is like. And changed the generations of your family. So we think that we've got to reclaim this ark for its intended purpose, for reaching students and children and serving the community. That means evicting us in a nice sort of way, but straightforward, uh, from this ark and building 
a thousand seat worship center uh, so we can get this back for what it was intended purpose. Uh, here's a kind of an image for you. If you, can, if you weren't here last week, here's what it, where it is. We're in the ark right now. If you're in the sanctuary, you're watching, you see where you are. And if you're at Tree Worth, well, you know where you are. You're not here. But uh, over in the ark, you see kind of where that locates on the grassy knoll area right there where the parking lot is. Uh, about a thousand seats we're expecting. Uh, here's a view of this. When you come off Renfro, this is what you will see. Uh, you'll see kind of our pathway logo pointing toward the cross. We are unashamed. We're trying to point people towards Jesus. You just need to know that. Unashamed. And that cross just makes it very clear about who we are. And this is a view from the inside, kind of a new artist rendering that we have to kind of give you an idea from the crossing. Uh, can you flip up the next view there, please? Hello, Connie. Hello. It's stuck. There we go. So the crossing will be expanded, just kind of pushed out into the grassy area, and that kind of gives you an idea of what looking in, kind of what that's going to be like in the Welcome Center will all be reconfigured and changed. Now, all this to say, we believe this is going to cost us about $7.5 million. I'm going to stop saying six and a half to seven and a half. I'm just going to go with the big number because that's probably what it's going to turn out. I mean, you know how that sort of thing goes. And we hope to do this over a three-year period. And we're asking that our church body, who call this your church home, if you say this is your home, for just be praying, praying, okay, over the next three years, God, how would you use us, you know, our family, uh, have a joy-filled experience of sacrificial generosity, uh, to leave a legacy for generations to come, that in Pathway Church family, there's enough love and grace always for one more, and that you'll be praying about this, and uh, at the end of this series, that you'll be given a chance to bring forward a pledge commitment for three years, and we'll just see what God does here. So that's, But it's all about the one more. It's all about the one more. Don't lose sight of that. That's all about the one more. Now, we're going to hand out some Bibles here this morning, and while they're doing that, I'd remind you that when you leave here, if you were not here last Sunday night, uh, man, we handed out these little candles as a way for you to kind of be through your prayer process to put by your Bible in the morning. It says, now one more on it, 2019. Uh, you may go out there to the Now One table, get one of these for your family. Take it home with you as kind of a keepsake, a reminder. There's brochures for you to take also. If you did not get one last week to give you more information about what's going on, please pick it up. Ask any question. If you're new, hey, what are y'all doing here? We'll be happy to cast a vision and tell you. But also, we have a prayer event coming up. This reminds me of that. Uh, in a couple, about three weeks, you want to be a part of. We're going to put the image on the screen here. The date is November 9th and 10th. A 24-hour from 1, a, 1 p.m. on Saturday to 1, p, uh, 1 p.m. on Sunday. And it's going to be 24 hours of prayer. And going to be many creative ways for you and your family or you individually to be a part of it. And you'll want to. And so just kind of tell you more about it later. Kind of put it on your calendar. as something uh, we think that you'll find very meaningful in your life. Now, we're going to turn to the book of Exodus. I think, have you already walked the aisles and handed out Bibles here in the ark? If you haven't, uh, raise your hand. They'll bring a Bible to you. A lot going on here. And turn to Exodus chapter 13. Uh, we're going to do a lot of Bible work this morning, I will tell you. A lot of Bible work. We'll put a lot of it on the screen, but a lot of biblical teaching here. Uh, first of all, before we get there, let me ask you a question. And the question is, are you ready for the test? Ha-ha! <laughs> All right, that's what I wanted to hear, yes. I will tell you, that was not my answer when I was in high school. Uh, when I stepped into a high school classroom and the teacher asked me, are you ready for the test? Uh, my answer was, uh, what test? 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, in high school, I'm not proud of it. I'm just here to tell you, I wasn't always dialed in to what was going on in the classroom. It wasn't that I wasn't smart. I didn't have a brain. I just saw no use in thinking when you had other things you could be doing in school, and thinking was not one of them. I mean, I had all these relationships and all these stories to tell and all this stuff to do, and so that was the least of my concerns. And so when she said, or he said, well, you're ready for the test, he was, no, I don't have a clue. You know, just go on. But I'm happy to tell you that I did finish in the top 10 of the bottom one-third of my senior class. <laughs> I graduated. You know, I got through it. You know, I just got through it. It just wasn't a big deal for me. Now, but, but did you know in the kingdom of God, there is a test? And we all take it. And sometimes it's once a month. Sometimes it's twice a month. For some of you, it's weekly. But it's a test. And every time you and I have any income, anything that comes through our hand, it's a test. It's a test to see about where is God in the priorities of our life. Now, I know already right now, there are some people who are beginning to pucker up. A little shame, a little guilt, a little discomfort, because we're going to be talking about this word called tithing. And some of you bring up all this baggage from the past, all this guilt, all, oh my gosh, you're all, you feeling all this, uh. I want to create a uh free zone right now. Shame-free zone, guilt-free zone, whatever freedom that you need to be set free from, from the junk of your past or what you think tithing's about, because tithing is not really about money. That's your first thought. You go, uh, it's not. It's about relationship. So this morning, I want you to just kind of distance yourself from all the baggage, leave it at the door. And just be open to some teaching here from the scriptures, develop a better understanding that it's really about the one more, and it's really about your own discipleship and your relationship with God and the priority of that relationship, okay? So first of all, right there in your message notes, kind of get a little background here, the word tithe in the Hebrew literally means the tenth part. That's literally what it means, the tenth part. If you're a science person, you know a part means a percentage. So in our modern-day language, a tithe, it really means it's, it's a ten percent. It's, it's a percent. It's the tenth percent, ten percent. Now, sometimes I have people say this to me. They say, Pastor, uh, I don't believe in tithing because tithing is under the law. And I live under grace. And so since we now live under grace, I don't have to do the tithe thing. I'm free from that. So that, that, I, now here's the thing. Stealing is under the law. Thou shalt not steal. So with that logic, a Christian can steal. But stealing is a principle before the law and after the law. Here's another one, adultery. She not committed adultery. That's under the law. That's the law. So with that argument, man, you're just free as much as you want, right? But no, it's a principle before the law and after the law for our well-being in the same way with tithing. It's a principle. It's not just under the law. Before the law and after the law, Jesus himself says over in the book of Matthew, he said he encourages us to tithe. Uh, over in Hebrews chapter 7, it says when you actually give your tithe, Jesus receives it and he blesses it. Okay? 
So, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure why some, sometimes many of us who are Christians say, hey, I live under grace, and we do live under grace, thanks be to God. I mean, the Bible is very clear. We don't live under the law. We live under grace. If you were not here last week, I encourage you to go online, check out that message. We talked a lot about that. I hope you got that. That's the beginning point, an experience of God's grace, and we live under grace. But I also believe that tithing is a principle even under grace. And I also believe it's a test. The scripture says it's a test. Uh, in your notes, did you know the Bible 10, the number 10 in the Bible, it literally means testing. The number 10 in the Bible, it is a testing. So I'm going to show you this, kind of help you, and I'm going to ask you some questions. Speak out loud if you're in the ark. In true worth, please answer out loud in the sanctuary, wherever you are, please answer out loud. And everyone's going to pass this test, guaranteed, okay, because I'm going to give you the answer. It's an open book. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the first question. If you don't get it, I'm going to tell you, and then you're going to know from now on what the answer is. So here's the question. How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart before he let the Israel people go? How many times? How many plagues were there? That's the answer. Ten, right? You got it. There's a pattern here, okay? How many commandments are there? Ten commandments. Oh, now, yeah, you're on the roll. You got it. How many times was Israel tested in the wilderness? Ten. How many times was Jacob's wages changed to test God tested his character? How many times? Ten. How many times is Daniel tested in the Daniel chapter one? How many times? Come on, don't be bashful. You know the answer. It's confident. Both is ten. How many virgin how many virgins are tested in Matthew chapter 25? Ten. How many days of testing does the book of Revelation say there's gonna be? How many disciples are there? Ha! I was testing you. <laughs> and some of you got it. That's right. But when you read the scripture, it's clear throughout from the beginning to end that 10 is a number symbolizing of testing. Now, I don't know why. I don't know why uh, God chose the number 10. But I think I know why he chose a percentage. Because it's the same for everybody. It makes no difference. You make $3, you make $0.03, cents, you, make, you make $300, $3,000, $300,000, $3,000,000. A tithe is a tithe. It's one penny of every dime. It's the same for everybody. Okay? So let's, let's look here at the Scripture. And uh, we're going to go over here to Exodus chapter uh, 13. And let's just kind of dive in and, and see what we can learn. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me. Emphasis on firstborn. And in the Hebrew, that belongs to me has a tense that makes it very emphatic, whether human or animal. Now you go over here to verse, uh, verse 12. In the middle of it, it says, all the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. All, and the word belong, firstborn. Verse 13, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Or because you're going to lose it anyway. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. And your notes, number one, what's the Bible lesson? Here's the Bible lesson. 
The firstborn, according to the Old Testament, is sacrificed and redeemed. Now, what does that even mean? The firstborn is sacrificed and redeemed. How do you know which to sacrifice and which to redeem? How do you know what to do? Well, we get a little hint right here. You'll see right there in verse 13, there's two different types of animals here. You have the lamb that is clean and the donkey, which is considered unclean. And here's what Moses has been said to by the Lord. Every time a clean animal has a firstborn, you sacrifice it. And every time you have an unclean, you redeem it with a clean animal. Now, you're sitting here going, okay, that's all great and good for that culture, but I'm living in 2019, <laughs> and this is a totally different time warp, totally different culture. Different... No, what does this mean to me? What does this connect to me at all? Here's the application point I would say right here. Uh, everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Every single verse, every single chapter, every single book, every st- everything about this book points to you and me and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And you go, well, how does this do that, Pastor? So let me ask you a question. When you were born, were you born clean or unclean? Unclean. The Bible says that we are all born with a bent towards sinning. We're all born with a bent toward turning our back and getting off the path. To prove this, I'll ask all the the experts in the house who can hear my voice. And those are the parents. Did you have to teach your kids to disobey you? (laughs) That's just almost hilarious to even ask that question, wasn't it? No, they just come by it naturally, right? That little free will they have in their little old body, they just want to do it my way. It's my life. I'll do it the way I want to, right? And that's true of all of us. We're born unclean. What about Jesus? Is Jesus born clean or unclean? He's born clean. Now, here's the Bible lesson right here, number two. The clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. Jesus, who was perfect clean, firstborn, sacrificed that we who were unclean might be redeemed, might be made whole, might be healed in every part of our being. Now, I'm going to say something here that's going to kind of be, going to be, kind of be foreign to some of you. Kind of think, let this sink in. That means that Jesus is God's tithe. The firstborn, when you read the scripture, firstborn, firstfruits, refers to the tithe. That's God's tithe. That's God's sacrifice for our redemption. What's the application for us right there? We're moving kind of fast here at the first. We return our tithe in faith, trusting 
that God is going to redeem, that God is going to bless the remaining 90% that we have in our life. Uh, when we bring our tithe, we bring it before. We, we bring the first, the very first, the best. We bring the first. We don't wait till after to see if there's anything left. We don't wait to see if God really is going to come through. We don't wait. We give it in faith, trusting. God did not wait for you to clean up. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet unclean, Christ died for us. Trusting that you and I would respond to the incredible love and grace of God of not doing anything to make sure you know how much he loves you and you would respond to that in faith. God acted before. And so that's us. We did that. That's a symbol of our relationship when we bring the first of us, of us giving that joyfully back. Okay, now, here, here's what I'm going to do here. I'm, I'm getting ready. I want to show you how this works in a little bit different way. Is that uh, I think, did I, did I give you all the, the second application point? I did. I got a lot going on. Okay. Nathan, I want to invite you to stand. Uh, Nick, I know, I want you to stand. And Dwayne, I want you three guys to stand. And I know y'all have no idea what I'm about to have, what's about to happen. It's not going to be bad, I promise you. Except for you, Nathan. Okay? okay. okay. All right. So I got three guys standing up here. And guys, I'm just asking you to stand. You don't have to talk or anything. I just want you to know I'm going on a trip. I'm going to be gone for a while. And I'm going to provide for my wife uh, pretty good before I leave. But I, while I'm gone, I'm going to be concerned about her. And so I would like for you to help me provide for her while I'm gone. So I'm going to give each of you $10,000 a month. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give each of you, uh, in fact, let's just make it $20,000 a month. In fact, let's just make it $100,000 a month. Now, understand, uh, this is uh, hypothetically only. <laughs> Don't hold me to it. So I'm going to go on this trip, and all I ask is that you give $10,000 a month to my wife once a month while I'm gone. Okay? That's what I want you to do. And at the very beginning, and the rest of it, the 90000 you can do with what you want. It's just it's yours to enjoy however you want to do it. And so I leave, and I go to the North Pole to train Eskimo pastors. <laughs> and I have a hard time getting in contact with my wife over time. And I finally get cold of her uh, four or four months later. And I say, hey, babe, I just want to check in. How things going? It's all great. Hey, listen, are you being provided for or taken care of? Yeah, I'm being taken care of. I said, really? Okay. Well, tell me, how's Dwayne doing? Oh, Dwayne's doing great. I mean, on the very first, I mean, the very, very first of every month, I mean, it just shows up like clockwork. I said, oh, man, I knew, I knew Dwayne, yeah. I knew I could trust Dwayne. Hey, how about Nick? Well, man, Nick, I don't know what's up with Nick. I mean, he's, he's sending $2,000 a month. I mean, I mean $20,000 a month. I mean, he's not even just, he's doubling what I asked you. Oh, man, oh, Nick, my gosh. What a, yeah, he's really been a blessing. And I said, well, tell you, what about Nathan? Well, we need to talk about Nathan. <laughs> first month he did great, you know. First thing great, you know. Um, he gave about, you know, uh, $1,700,000, I mean, $17,000, I mean, $700. And, you know, the next month he kind of gave four hundred, And the last month he did nothing. <laughs> so when the next month comes around, what do you think I'm going to do? You think I'm going to send that $100,000 to Nathan? I'm going to give it to these two guys and say, guys, 
Would y'all just please, I trust you, just take, do what you got to do and take care of my wife and everything, because this is my wife we're talking about, right? We're talking about my wife. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. Nathan, I, do, I, I love you, buddy. You know that. Right? <laughs> Jesus said, I'm going to go away. I'm coming back, and I'm leaving. And while I'm gone, he said, I want you to take care of my wife. Who does the Bible say is Jesus' wife? Church. Do you think maybe tithing is a little more personal to Jesus? And it's really not about the money. It's about the relationship. Proverbs, chapter 3. And then we're also going to read in Exodus again. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Verse 9, chapter 3, that key word, honor, 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 honor. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first, there it is again, first, first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing your vats. Man, they're going to brim over with new wine. There's just going to be so much. And then back over here in Exodus again, we're going to put it on the screen, 23, verse 19. It says, bring the best, bring, bring the best of your first, here is it again, first, first fruits of the soil to the house of the Lord your God. And I got four words circled here. I got honor, I got bring, I got first fruits, and house. All four of those words. And here's the lesson right here. The first fruits... The first offered fruits honor God. Honor me, he says, with the first fruits. And over here, you bring them into my house. You bring them to me. Uh, here's, here's the thing we need to understand. Uh, the tithe is not something that we give to Christian ministries or missionaries. Hey, I believe. Give to Christian ministries. Give to missionaries. Give it. Give it. But that's not your tithe. That's an offering, the scripture says, that's above and beyond. That's going beyond the tithe. That's what that is. Uh, we don't designate our, our tithe. You don't say, hey, I want 5% to go over here, 3% here, or 2% here. So the scripture says it belongs to me. You don't designate what doesn't belong to you. You just bring, and you don't even give what doesn't belong to you. You don't give it. You bring it because it belongs to the Lord. So the application is we bring, we bring, we bring our tithe to the Lord's house. We bring it to his house, his place of worship. That's what the scripture says. Bring the best of your first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Now, sometimes this, this question gets brought up and gets asked. Okay, I notice, Pastor, I'm reading my Bible, my chair time in the morning. I'm learning about God and everything. I just so happened to read over in Genesis chapter 4. And where Cain and Abel, these two brothers, uh, they both bring their offering. And God accepts one and doesn't accept the other. Uh, can you explain that? Well, when you read it right here, I think it's pretty clear. I'm in Genesis chapter 4 at verse 4, uh, verse 3, and it says this, In the course of time, Cain, who is a farmer, brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. Abel also brought, who's a rancher, also brought an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock. So Abel brought 
the firstborn, Cain brought some of the fruits. Verse 5. But on Cain and his offering, God did not look with favor. Why did he not receive it with favor? Because in the course of time, Cain brought some. He didn't bring what was first. And it said God did not look with favor. Did you know there are some things that God cannot and will not do? Sometimes, just for the grins, I want you to go study the attributes of God. Just go, go, go stu- do a study on the attributes of God. It's a great theological study. It really is. You'll grow a lot by doing it. And the word attribute comes from the word tribe. Tribe means the definitive characteristics of a person or a group of people. And so a tribute of someone is the characteristics of that person. When you do a tribute to someone, you define who they are. So the attributes of God, there are some characteristics of God that God cannot act against, such as uh, God cannot lie. You agree with that? Jesus himself, God, I am the way, I am the what? Truth. Okay, God cannot lie. Uh, God cannot change. That's called the immutability of God. God cannot change. Uh, If God could change, God could get better. God can't get better. God is perfect. God is holy. God can't think the way you and I think. The Bible says God's thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher than our thoughts, right? Uh, You and I think to figure stuff out. God never said, okay, now, let me see if I can figure this out. It's called the omniscience of God, omniscience, all knowledge. God knows everything at the same time. Nothing ever occurred to God. Think about that. God never said, huh, I never thought of that. (laughs) Right? God cannot be second. That's called the preeminence of God. Uh, preeminence means before all, above all, in all, beyond all, preeminent, God can't be second. So in my life, if I say, okay, I may go through a season in my life where God's not first, that does not mean that God's not first. God may not be first place in my life. That does not mean that God is not in first place because God is always in first place. And so, If I'm going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, fully devoted, remember, not 95% devoted, that's 5% short, fully devoted, God's going to be first priority in every area of my life, and that includes in this financial area. It's about relationship, the priority of God in it. That's what the tithe is all about. It's not about the money. It's about the relationship. Now, let's go over here to one more. One more. Leviticus chapter, the last chapter of Leviticus. Leviticus 27. Hidden little verse in Scripture. Last chapter, chapter 27, verse 32. It says, every tithe of the herd and flock 
every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the world, to, to, to the Lord. In other words, in your notes, the Bible lesson is the tithe belongs to God, and it's always the first. It's the first. There, let me read it again. Every tithe of the herd and the flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, all of it will be holy. In other words, it belongs to the Lord. Now, it all belongs to God, all of it. But God gives it to you and me to enjoy. Enjoy it. But that little first part, bring it to me, is a sign of our relationship. And this didn't just go back to Cain and Abel. It goes back as a principle into the Garden of Eden. Remember, God says, hey, the Garden of Eden, hey, you can eat from all of it. You can have it all, except for what? One. That's mine. Everything else? So the application is my tithe is returning to God what already belongs to to him. It's his. I can't give it. You can't give what doesn't belong to you. You return it. So, okay, Nathan, I'm coming back at you, buddy. I'm sorry, but you just got to do such a good sport, okay? Nathan, I'm going out of town on a trip again, and uh, it happens a lot, it seems, and uh, you hear about it, and uh, y'all having, you and Deanna, y'all having a little car, having a little car issue. You got to put your brakes, get your brakes done, you know? You're thinking about giving it to Joey. You know, you're thinking about giving it to him. So you want to make sure it's perfect. You say, hey, but Rick, while you're out of town, Pastor, would you, would you mind, could I, could I drive your car while you're gone? And because while you're gone out of town, you know, I'll take care of it. I'll just pick you up when you get back and everything like that. He says, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just sure. It's yours. Take it. It'll just be sitting there at the airport. So come back. And uh, you're there to pick me up. Both, you're, both of you come. And uh, you say, hey, Rick, and you got the car keys. And you say, Mick, I mean, we've been praying about this, and we just really feel led that we want to give you this car. Uh, Nathan, these are my keys. <laughs> yeah, I know. But we've really been praying about it. And we just want to give it to you. <laughs> Notice I'm walking over here. <laughs> this is guy's an elder on church session. Really? Do you ever wonder that sometimes, I just wonder sometimes when you and I say we give our tithe, we give it. And you're going, self-righteous, look at me. I feel so good about myself. I'm giving my time. I'm giving. And God's going, hmm. Oh, you're just returning. You're not giving, you're just returning. It just kind of lets me know where we are in our just returning. Very simple. And do you know when we bring our tithe to the Lord, it breaks a curse? This little hidden verse in the Bible that some of you have never read before. You've read part of it, but you've not read the whole thing. Over in Malachi chapter 3, that famous verse that's talked about so much, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, bring it all. I mean, bring it all. There'll be so much food. Test me. So we're testing God, the only place where he says to test. Hey, I'm going to test you. See if I'm not throwing the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing. Blessing doesn't mean money necessarily. I want you to hear that. This is not prosperity theology. Blessing does not necessarily mean money. It's blessing. It comes in so many ways. And if there will be not room enough to store it, then verse 11, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Did you know there's a pest that's trying to devour your marriage? 
It's trying to devour your kids. It's trying to devour your financial peace. It's trying to eat it up. And the scripture says, when we honor God by returning that, I will prevent that pest from having its way with you. And in the middle of it, you're going to get blessing from my presence in a way you cannot even imagine. That's what it's saying. Now, I want to get really, really practical with you uh, to try to help you process this and, and I'm going to get really, really, really practical. I am going to uh, re-landscape my house. I'm going to re-landscape the whole house, and I'm going to hire you. I'm going to hire you to come to replace all the things in the front of my house. And you say, great, got the job, and I'm going to pay you so much. You're going to, this is how much all this is going to cost, the plants and the bushes are going to cost, and here's how much my labor is going to cost, and here has, here's how much is the, uh, uh, my profit's going to be. Okay, got it. And so uh, I tell you, and you say, yeah, I got a deal. So I come, and I'm going to pay you for your materials on the front end. I pay your labor, and then it gets to the very end of the job. I'm going to come, and I'm going to put 10 $100 bills in your, in your hand for your profit, right? You feel okay about that? You open to receiving that? That's your profit. That's your, here's the question, math question. How much is the tithe? How much is the tithe? We're not too good at math in here, are we? <laughs> We're kind of unsure. I think, I think 10%, I think it is. You know, it's just fascinating how men and women are so different about this subject matter and all, and the confidence about that. And I could tell you a story, but I'm not. I'm not going to go there. But uh, it's $100. Okay, it's $100. Now, which one, which one is the tie? Which one's the tie? The first. How do you know which one's the first? How do you know? It's the first one that leaves your hand. The first one that leaves your hand. That's my time. Sometimes we do this. I pay the mortgage, right? I take care of my mortgage. I take care of these bills that are coming. I take care of my AT&T, right? <laughs> or whatever my phone service and TV store. I got to make sure I have my football. Make sure of that. And then I get to the end. Then I pay my tithe. Well, here's what happened. Is it's the same amount. It's still 10%, but you just gave your tithe to the mortgage company. And your mortgage company can't bless you. It can curse you. Literally, the tithe. So here's what Dallas and I do. Here's how we do it. Just so you know. Uh, first of all, I delegate it to Dallas. <laughs> I'm a smart man. She's really good with numbers. She's really good. So I delegate it to her. And the first thing, the first, and we still checks. We're old. I'm in my 60s, so we don't use that. We do pay a lot of bills online, but she just writes the check. And she brings it. She puts it in the offering plate. She, she, I don't know why she just likes to put it in that offering plate when it comes by. She just does that. And uh, some of you, you might want to do it online. And you can do that. You can just check. You can find on the app. It shows it, and it comes magically appears in your life, right? And you just do it and make it part of your prayer time, pray a prayer to God. But here's what I don't do. If Dallas comes to me and says, oh, Rick, oh, my gosh, I forgot. I didn't put it in the offering plate. I don't go, we're going to be cursed for a whole week. Oh, no. You got to get up there and do it because we don't live under the law. So I don't believe in that. 
I don't believe that at all. God, it's a heart thing. God wants to know. God wants to know. It's just a priority in the relationship in that part of your life. Fully devoted disciple of Jesus. Now, I want to close this by just going back to where we started, okay? I'm going to go back to Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to eat, read the end of this, right? We started off with him saying about taking the firstborn. Uh, you take the firstborn, and I think I have glasses here somewhere. Thank you. <laughs> Exodus chapter 13. And uh, so bring the firstborn. Redeem it, sacrifice it. In verse 14, here it comes. It says, in the days to come when your son asks you, your grandkids ask you, hey, what does this mean? What, why, why are you sacrificing this firstborn? What are you doing this? Say to him, with a mighty hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord... He sacrificed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt, and this is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb, and I redeem it, each of my firstborn sons. And it will be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And so I can see the son and daughter of this man growing up, growing up, growing up. Their dad keeps on doing this. And one day, they're overseeing the books, right? And they're watching the books. And they go, oh, my goodness, Dad. Uh, we see we're losing profits on this little thing. And God, you might not even know why you do this. But, Dad, we've got to confront you. You notice you sacrificed the firstborn of every lamb, of every... Why, why do you do this, Dad? Well, I'll tell you why. Because there's something you don't know about your family. Years ago, uh, we were slaves. We had nothing. And God, by his mighty hand, he delivered us. And so we joyfully... And thanks to the one who saved us, we give the firstborn. And there's going to come a day where I'm going to be sitting in a little chair like this in my house. Come on in, babe. And uh, my little granddaughter, Lennox, is going to be sitting in my lap like she's about to do right now. And she's going to ask me some questions. Just like your kids are going to ask you some questions. She's at our house a lot. She spent the night with us last night. This is Lennox. Can you say hi, Lennox? Can you say hi, everybody? Can you say hi? Nope. You can't say a word, can you? Yeah. Hey, Papa. Uh, why do you and Dee every month Every month, you give so much to the church. And, and why did you give so much to this new building? Why? 
And here's what I'm going to tell her. I'm going to say, here's what you need to know, Lennox. Uh, she's, you see yourself on the camera? Yeah. <laughs> Is that your papa always wasn't the best husband. He always wasn't the best dad. He wasn't always just the best person he needed to be. But God, with this incredible love and grace, he delivered our family from the bondage and the slavery of stuff. And he set us free and healed us and redeemed us. And uh, I'm just so grateful that we joyfully give so that you will just one day discover just how much God loves you and what he did for you through Jesus on the cross. Because, girl, you are... You see babies? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? You see baby? That you, oh, out there, yeah. You are the one more. I want to make sure you understand this. It's not about money. It's about relationship. And right now, this little lady is the first grandchild. In every one of my Bibles, the very front of it has my purpose statement. I've not told you this in a long time. And here's my purpose statement. The first thing is to raise a family that will raise the next generations for Jesus. And after my three sons, that was a little pop. Yeah. She's the first of the next generation. And I will give everything to make sure she knows how much she loves Jesus. She is the one more. And your son, your daughter, your granddaughter... He or she is the one more. Never forget that. And it's the greatest priority in our lives to make sure the next generation knows the story of salvation through Jesus. God, I thank you for these that are here in worship, they're on, online in sanctuary, true worth. And those who are just kind of reassessing their priorities in life and what really matters in their life. And God, some of us, we just stop and we just go, <laughs> we don't deserve anything that we have, God. And you have just been so good and so kind to us and your mercy just flows more than any of us deserve. And God, some here in this room who have children and grandchildren, uh, we don't even know how to tell the story of how good you have been to us. And, but God, I ask that you would receive weekly our offering, you would receive our sacrifice and, and you would use it, God, uh, to make sure Lennox and everyone more uh, comes to know the great love and grace you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. You just want to talk to Papa, don't you? Yeah, okay. Oh, you get your sticker off. So, can we do something here before you walk out the door? Can we stand up here, please, and do our prayer together? Can we do our prayer? This is our sacrifice, our prayer together as a church body. This is your church home. This is what we're doing. It's about the one more. Just say it together, please. God, grant us a joy-filled experience of sacrificial generosity that will leave a legacy for generations to come so that now and forever in our Pathway Church family, there is always enough love and grace for one more. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're new, there's room for you.